We're in Proverbs chapter 1. I noticed the pastor had given Brother Rick the notes ahead of time as far as what verses he would cover and what he would call the message tonight. And uh, he was going to get through verse 33. Well, I'm not. I'm not going to get out of verse 28. I can't. Not and do justice to what uh, God showed me. And I appreciate the opportunity to speak, although the circumstances I wish were different. I'd like to have my pastor and his wife here. After last Wednesday's message, if you were here or if you listened to it on Facebook, one of which I hope you were able to do, uh, we learned then when wisdom mocks. That was the title of last week's message over the few verses we looked at. And following the message, I shared something with Brother Fulton that emerged from the scriptures, not only these, but some of the others that came to mind during the preaching And I'd like to share those with you, those thoughts with you as well, as we enter into verse 28 here in just a few moments. Mockery is what we looked at last week, and mockery is a seed. It's a seed. I want you to think of it as a seed, and I believe you'll see that the Bible supplies that thought for us and then bears it out, just like faith is a seed. But they produce different fruit, don't they? One produces bad fruit and the other produces good fruit, edible fruit versus rotten fruit. And from last week's verses, I noticed that this seed of mockery grows into something that is defined here in the scriptures. If you'll look back in verse 27, he says, now this is about those whom wisdom will mock. Because they mocked wisdom. When your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you. So I noticed that the seed of mockery grows into fear. It grows into desolation then, into destruction. And destruction is its end fruit. In fact... It can't produce any other fruit. So the end result is certain. If someone says, well, I think I can mock God for a season and I'll be all right. I just won't do it as badly as other people or I won't be as obvious with it. Well, the Bible says, be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth. And what do you sow? You sow seed, don't you? that shall he also reap. And what you reap is a fruit. So sowing mockery causes the fruit to be reaped. And that fruit is laid out for us here in verse 27 in its various stages, the end of which is destruction. I'd like to read to you from Psalm chapter 126. Verses 1 through 6, and I want you to listen for this principle in these verses. That's Psalm 126, verses 1 through 6. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. 
Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. So you heard the principle of sowing a seed and reaping a fruit, but in that psalm, that fruit was accompanied with rejoicing. And rejoicing might well be said to be the opposite of destruction. There is no rejoicing in destruction. There's only anguish and despair. And the seed sown in this psalm that I just read you is a seed of faith in the Lord. And the fruit from that seed is rejoicing and bearing a fruit. And that fruit is not destruction. And that's the kind of fruit I want to have. That's the kind of fruit God's people have in the covenant of salvation. You cannot be in the covenant of salvation and end up in destruction. The Bible says we're not appointed under wrath, but to obtain salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's for the Christian. I'll read you another passage. This is in Luke chapter 8. Verses 11 through 15, Luke 8, verses 11 through 15. And in Luke 8, Jesus teaches the parable of the sower, S-O-W-E-R. He taught that in verses 5 through 9, but I'm going to read his explanation of this parable. And it starts in verse 11. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Now, what did those people do? They mocked God's word. The devil came and took it and they said, here, you can have it. It's not that big a deal to me. There was no faith, no believing what they heard. The devil took it just as easily as it came to them. And in verse 13, here's another group. They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. So how did they mock God? Oh, they heard the word. They said, yeah, we'll take that. But then when temptation came, they showed themselves to not be real believers. They said, oh, no, 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 we don't, we don't really mean that. Oh, yeah, we went to church, but when the persecution started, we don't want any part of that. So they mocked God. And in verse 14 says, And that which fell among thorns are they, which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. What did you just hear about fruit? They bring no fruit to perfection. In other words, they were already on thorny ground and the seed of God's word fell. And rather than growing in it, rather than believing it, the cares of the world, the riches and the pleasures of life just carried them away. Verse 15, but that on the good ground, that is the seed on the good ground, 
are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, now all of them heard the word, didn't they? Having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. What did verse 14 say about those who were choked out with the cares and riches of the world? They brought no fruit to perfection. But the ones on whom the seed fell, the good ground, they bring forth fruit with patience. So there are four groups of people mentioned in this parable, in the explanation of the parable. Three of them, three groups, mocked wisdom. They did it in different ways. One said, oh, it's a hot potato. Here you go, Satan, you can have it back. And another one said, oh, that sounds good. I like that. That's positive and encouraging. But when temptation came, they said, oh, that's not really for me. I'm not, I didn't really mean that. I don't believe all that. And then the other, in the cares and the riches and pleasures of the world, also received that word and said, oh, well, that's nice, and turned and went away. Followed the world, was a friend of the world. Only the one who received it on good ground, that is by faith, can be said to have brought forth fruit with patience. Now what did we learn when we studied a few weeks ago the section of Proverbs where the pastor had entitled it, When Wisdom Calls? You might have to refresh your memory on that a bit with your notes. But what we learned is that wisdom calls to everyone. And in the parable that I just read you, or the explanation of the parable, wisdom, which is God's word, calls to all of those hearers, doesn't it? All four groups received. They all heard the word, the same word. The first three groups of hearers hear the word, but they mocked at it. They gave the seed away, the hearer fell away, the text plainly states that. The hearer turned away, the one who was choked out by the cares and riches of the world. Oh, he heard it all right, but rather than going forth with the word, he went forth from the word with the world. So each of them mocked wisdom in a different way, but with the same result. And then in verse 15, where the one hearer received wisdom, he regarded wisdom's stretched out hand. He breathed after wisdom's counsel and turned at its reproof. All things we studied in Proverbs already. All things that the mocker would not do. That believer did not sow mockery's seed because the text tells us he brought forth fruit fruit with patience. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, Jesus connects faith with the mustard seed. So faith is a seed and mockery is a seed. It's the seed of unbelief. So we've studied thus far when wisdom calls, when wisdom speaks, When wisdom mocks, and tonight for a few short minutes, let's look at when wisdom forsakes. When wisdom forsakes. Perhaps that's a surprising title to you for verse 28. 
but I think it'll be very clear to you what happens when we finish here tonight. Look at verse 28. We just read it. Then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. It said, then shall they call upon me. We go from the word when in verse 27 to the word then in verse 28. When this happens, then they'll do this. And you know what? It's too late. Because these mockers have allowed the seed of mockery to fully yield its ugly bloom of destruction. And as they're being destroyed, God says they're going to call on me. Wisdom says they're going to call on me. It's the same thing. You say God, you say wisdom. It's the same thing. It's the same person. God is wisdom personified. Wisdom is the word of God. Then shall they call upon me. And we don't forget who they are. They are the ones who have mocked wisdom. Had they turned at God's reproof, then they would have borne the fruit of faith. Do you know how to keep from going down this road of mockery? It's called repentance. Repentance. Every one of us who are saved were once unsaved. We once mocked at God's word. We once said, oh, maybe next time. Or, oh, I want to check some other religions or whatever you may have done. But when we repented and put our trust in what Jesus did, mockery went out the window. The seed of mockery died that day in my life, in my spiritual life. And the seed of faith began to bloom all by the grace of God. And had these mockers turned, had they repented, they would have borne the fruit of faith, but it would have required repentance. You know, that's how the seed, the shoot, the stalk of mockery must be dealt with. It has to be pulled up by the root of repentance. There's no leaving it in the ground. There's no letting it run parallel like a train track with faith on one rail and mockery on the other. And at the very end, I'll see which one I like best. Oh, I'll tell you what, what you'll end up with. You'll end up with mockery. Mockery will run faith off the rail. Faith will run mockery off the rail. You're going to have to have one or the other. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ is how you and I who are saved dealt with the seed of mockery. Now to the Christian, especially if you may be a little bit uh, shaky sometimes in, in your faith, don't let this verse be misunderstood. If you're in Christ by faith in his gospel, God will never forsake you. So when the title of this lesson is, when wisdom forsakes, the Christian doesn't have to worry about wisdom forsaking him. God's not going to forsake you who are his. In Hebrews, well, to, to be forsaken by God, you'd have to be plucked out of his hand, plucked out of Jesus' hand. And he said, you're in my hand, I'm in the Father's hand. No man can pluck you out of my hand. And there's nobody who can do that. That would be the only way to, for God's children to be forsaken of him. So it's not going to happen. The divinely inspired words of the writer of Hebrews in chapter 13, verse 5. And if you want to put the letter B, 
next to the number five. That means it's the second half of the verse. says this about Jesus and us. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now that's pretty plain, isn't it? But to the mockers of wisdom, God tells of their doom very early in the Bible. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 16 through 17. Listen as I read this. And the Lord said unto Moses, Behold, thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, and this people will rise up and go a-whoring after the gods of the strangers of the land. Now, what does that mean they're doing? They're mocking God's word. They're mocking God. Whither they be, whether they go to be among them and will forsake me and break my covenant, which I have made with them. Then my anger shall be kindled against them in that day. Now, this is God talking. And he said, and I will forsake them and I will hide my face from them and they shall be devoured and many evils and troubles shall befall them so that they will say in that day, Are not these evils come upon us because our God is not among us? Now those are unbelievers about whom God is talking. Unbelievers. Just being a physical Israelite did not make one a spiritual Israelite. The Apostle Paul said, Not all they which are of Israel are Israel. There is a spiritual Israel. And that spiritual Israel is spoken of in Galatians chapter 6. And that is all who have put their faith in Christ, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, through all the ages. That's the Israel of God. God would have been greatly pleased had all the Israelites of this world been the Israel of God as well. But most of them would not. Yes, wisdom will forsake the mocker. Now look back in the text in verse 28. He said, then shall they call upon me. Call upon me is to cry out to me, to bid me. This is the scene Jesus spoke of in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Now I want you to picture these mockers that the writer of the Proverbs is telling us about here and their end and this Seen Jesus spoke of in Matthew. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. All right, what are those people doing in that passage? They're calling out to God. They're saying, Lord, Lord. They're crying out to him just like wisdom, like these mockers will call out to wisdom in that day of destruction. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Now, what did we learn the will of the Father is? That you believe on him that sent me. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You see, there is a day the mocker will call upon wisdom. They'll call upon the person of wisdom, Jesus Christ. And in calling him, I want you to notice this, when they call on him, 
Even then, they are still mocking him. Do you know why? Because they don't say, Lord, Lord, we have believed in error all this time. We would like one more opportunity to trust in the gospel. Christ crucified. Risen again for us. But they don't. Even in this time of imminent destruction, when they call Lord, Lord, or in our text, when they call wisdom, wisdom, they're still mocking Jesus. They're putting forth their works. What did they say they did? They prophesied in his name, cast out devils, did many wonderful works in his name. And when they put forth these works as sufficient to cover what they believe is the gap in the efficiency of Jesus' salvation, they're mocking him. And let me say it another way, just so you understand if you didn't understand that. The gospel of Jesus Christ requires belief. And when you believe on the gospel of Jesus Christ for your salvation, there is no gap. There's not anything else that has to be done because there's not anything else that can be done. He said to telestai, or it is finished. And what these who will mock Jesus will say essentially is, Lord, it's not finished. (laughs) We know you died on the cross, but hey, we bring to you our wonderful works and prophecies and casting out devils and hope that this will kind of seal the deal. This will bridge that little uh, chasm there that still exists in our minds. They're mocking wisdom. They're posing their rags, their filthy rags of self-righteousness as worthy in God's sight. And God said they're filthy. Now look back in your text, and here's wisdom's answer to those who call upon him. I will not answer. (laughs) You're going to call, but I'm not going to answer. The thrust of these words is that wisdom will not even pay attention to these last-minute dying calls of the mockers. The whirlwind of anguish has already come upon them, but they're too late. Because God said, be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And God has said, you sowed the seed of mockery, and now you're reaping what you sowed. Why would you expect to reap anything else? Even if a farmer were an unbeliever, and a farmer sowed a bunch of squash seeds, he wouldn't stand out there and say, I can't wait till my pepper plants come up. He knows that he's either going to have squash come up, or like me, he's going to have beautiful squash blooms that die because of balsam rot. But we won't, I'm not going to let that get in the way of some good preaching tonight. Brother Billy, that was for you. I will not answer thee. And look at the next few words there in verse 28. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. They shall seek me early. That group of words comes from one Hebrew word, which means dawn, D-A-W-N, or early. And the implication of this word is that when you seek something early, you seek it earnestly. If you really want to get up and get a good day's work in, 
You don't get up at 1 o'clock in the afternoon and say, well, I can't wait to work for about three hours and four hours till the sun goes down. You get up early. You get up earnestly. And so that's the implication of these words. The problem with mockers is that they get up at 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon and think they are going to be able to do a full day's work. They, in their minds, are earnest, but they're not early. And if they're not early, they're not earnest. It's all a show. Now, on the contrary, listen to Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17. Because it says this about those who love God, therefore they love wisdom. These are the opposite of the mockers of wisdom. Listen to this. I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Now, why does it say that there? And then in our text, they shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. The difference is the ones in Proverbs 8 are the ones who love God. And you can't love God without being saved through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, he that hateth me hateth my father also. So people who say, oh, now I love God. I'm I'm a God-fearing man, but I just don't think that, that Jesus is the way to salvation. Then they also hate God. They're mocking God. They can say they love him, but the truth is they hate the one whom he sent to die for their sins. I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Not those who set at naught wisdom's counsel. Not those who would none of his reproof. That means they they didn't pant after it because it will be too late. Mockery's seed will have borne its fruit. Faith's seed was forsaken by those people long ago, even though it called unto them, didn't it? What did we learn about wisdom? It calls to everyone. And then it says at the end of our verse, in verse 28, after they shall seek me early, it says, but they shall not find me. Wisdom would rightly say they shall not find me because they did not love me. They mocked me. These mockers will not be able to find out wisdom then because it will be too late. This wonderful work that God has done in our midst throughout the ages will one day be cut short in righteousness. When he cuts it short, it'll be all over with. He'll begin that series of events, and it's too late. That's when the destruction comes. He takes his people to be with him, pours out his wrath upon the unbelieving world. And in that day, there will be many who would do well to read this chapter, even these few verses, and say, if I let mockery seed grow, I will be destroyed. But because of pride, they will not. So to the mocker, whether watching or in here or who, who watches this later on perhaps, you're warned to seek wisdom right now. Not when your mockery has come to full term. And if you seek wisdom early, wisdom will not forsake you. God forsook Jesus on the cross. Do you know how we know that? Because Jesus said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He forsook him for those few moments 
while Jesus took the sin of the world upon him. He forsook Jesus on the cross so that we who are in him would not be forsaken by God. He took our forsaking for us, didn't he? All right, we're going to stop right there. Uh, Lord willing, Pastor will either pick up there or take up with verse 28 again, and I think he intended to preach through verse 33 next week. And I'm looking forward to hearing whatever it is he has to say. Let's be dismissed in prayer. Father, we're so thankful for your word. We're thankful for people who love your word. Lord, people who come or tune in because they need that good shot in the arm in the middle of the week just like I do as we've been trodden upon by the cares of the world and all of the wickedness that surrounds us. Father, nothing replaces assembling among the saints to hear God's word preached. And we pray it was pleasing to you tonight. And Lord, if it was not, that you would correct anything that was error. That we may take away from here only the pure, refined word of God. And Lord, as we go forth this week, help us to be as shining lights in our community. And to not bring reproach upon the name of Christ by selfish, fleshly actions. But Lord, to walk by faith and not by sight until we return here again in Jesus' name. Amen.